Exodus 20, verse 14. Without stutter or stammer, as, as Dr. Rogers used to say, that God says to the world, to his people first, and then to all the world, thou shalt not commit adultery. And that is, there is God's warning, and that will be this evening's message, we're warning against this. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you that you do love us, and you do help us. I pray that you would encourage our young people, help us to be encouraging to them. May they grow up to serve you faithfully, however you'd have them to serve. And may we as adults be leading the way and being consistent ourselves in our Christian walk. Bless our time together as we look into your word, as we consider this uh, very important uh, thing we need to understand, God's warning against it. And if we disobey his command, we will break ourselves because the commandments are set in granite, if you would, we ourselves are the ones who will be the losers. So, Lord, help me this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Really, we talked about the last couple of weeks, we talked about the key to a magnificent marriage. We talked about, first of all, it's an all-encompassing commandment, including any kind of immorality. We're not to be doing that. Deceive, not deceive. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Then God's plan for a magnificent marriage last time, the priority of marriage, we find your children are not your supreme commitment. After the Lord, your mate is the supreme commitment, the priority, the permanence, and then the purpose of marriage. We talked about that last time. This evening is God's warning about adultery. To adulterate means to make impure. And I've got some brownies. No, I'm not I'm no brownies. No brownies tonight. But uh, we talked about last time. Uh, but we uh, the, to adulterate to make impure something we are absolutely not supposed to do. Now, five reasons. That's the that's the review of the last two weeks. Five reasons now that adultery is a grievous sin. Number one, if you're jotting down notes, it's a sin against yourself. Sin against yourself. First Corinthians six eighteen. Interesting, some time ago, Newsweek magazine did a series of articles on adultery. Not surprisingly, a majority condemned adultery. Matter of fact, the statistic I have seen is 90% of Americans say it is wrong to commit adultery, Christian or unchristian, regardless, 90%. A handful of letters, however, suggested the ethics of adultery were not quite so clear. One church going lady wrote that her five year affair with a married man was saving her marriage. Not sure. Uh, she said, I'm not sure which is the lesser of two evils, adultery or divorce. Adultery is a sin against yourself. You are, uh, are going to ca- cause yourself difficulties. The Bible says, flee fornication. 1 Corinthians 6.18, Every sin that a man doeth is without his body, but he that committeth adultery sinneth against himself. And so I, I was, another statistic I saw this week was 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view pornography on a weekly or monthly basis. And that's staggering to me. We wonder why our church is so adrift, it seems, because we have so incorporated into the world, into our lives. One psychiatrist said that adultery is not so much whom you lie with as whom you lie to. And, and as I, we are lying to ourselves, I'm telling you, if you're involved, men, ladies, either one, if you're drinking poison by involved, being involved in pornography, and adultery is just going to, you're going to be the one that suffers. Everybody's going to be suffering. We understand it. It's just, Mr. Lauderdale mentioned this morning, I believe, how the men who get involved in this, well, I did love my wife, and why am I involved in this? Because your mind, you've let your mind wander and keep wandering, mind, then the actions follow Lord Byron was a very handsome poet, witty, charming. He was a playboy poet of England, but he died of venereal disease at an early age. This is what he wrote. My days are in the yellow leaf. The flower and the fruits are gone. The worm and the canker and the grief 
or mine alone, 36 years old of sepsis, he died. Every day, matter of fact, this day, there were a million new STD cases started this day across the world. One million this day alone. Sin, adultery is sin against yourself. Secondly, adultery is a sin against the home. Lives of innocent children are being torn apart in, in America by the sin of adultery. Someone has said the kids are the collateral damage when a mother or father treats the sacred marriage vow like a lease agreement. That should not be done. I was just reading a new, some more statistics, and I found this from, called, from the Statistics Brain, updated January of this year. This was so sad. 70, 57% of married men and married, 54% of married women have admitted to being unfaithful to the partners at one point or another. And I saw this, finally, 74% of men and 68% of women admitted they would engage in infidelity if they knew they would never be discovered. 74 and 68% would engage in infidelity if they knew they would not be discovered. Mother and fathers who commit adultery are saying three devastating things. Number one, they're saying how little they value their mate and how little fidelity means to them. When you say, I do... I, I, believe, uh, I believe it still is, as I, I think every single time I've married someone, it was, com- not married someone, multiple marriages, but ha- perform the ceremony till death do us part. And it's still God's way. And, and you are making a commitment to each other. Not only that, secondly, they're also teaching their children that honor and commitment are nearly not as important as momentary pleasure. And thirdly, the adulterous parent is telling his or her children that pleasure is even more important to that parent than the children themselves. We don't think about those things. Do you realize the bottom line of pornography, the bottom line of adultery is selfishness? Do you realize that? It's about you. You want what is happy for you, regardless of what the cost to other people. It's a strong tooth. You may not want to hear it. People may not want to hear it, but yet it is true. If anyone, if you're considering adultery, you're here tonight or listening online, you're considering adultery, what you need to do is when you go to that next time you have meet that person you're involved with, take a picture of your children and set it right up there on the table as you're eating your supper together and remind each other of who's really going to be the sufferer one when you do these kind of things. Take a real good look at the victims of your rendezvous, plural. One way or another, there's going to be damage, as you well know. Adultery is a grievous sin because you sin against yourself, you sin against the home, you sin against the church. Romans 14, verse 7, if you want to jot down the reference, says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. I like the little phrase, you're not an island. No man's an island to themselves. There's, there's going to be somebody affected by what you do or do not do. The us, of course, here in Romans is the church. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. As a child of God, your body is not your own. If you're married, also your spouse has claim upon your body. We understand, The Bible's clear about that. In 1 Corinthians 3, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. God has chosen to dwell in us. That's a Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ has, has now has a body, as you well know, or eternal body, but yet a body nonetheless. And he cannot, respectively saying, fit himself inside of all of us. But in the person of the Spirit, he can. So he indwells every single believer in the person of the Holy Spirit. 
So how is adultery a sin against the church? Well, we are about, we're the body of Christ. And so when you get involved with someone else, especially when pastors get involved, it so is, affects the church in a negative way. We're part of the body of Christ. What kind of example is that being? We're members of the same body. And <clears throat> when believer lies or lives in sexual immorality, he or she sins against the body of Christ. If you're just bringing reproach, there are those who say, and there's so much, as you well know in America, you can find any flavor of church, any flavor of ideology, so much of the ideology among even Christian young people is we can live together and it's all right. God's okay with that. He's not okay with that. Even there are churches that are completely homosexual churches where they have a homosexual pastor and everybody who goes there is a homosexual and they are worshiping God. How can you do that? It just doesn't work that way. They can say that they can't, and I'm not trying to pick on these particular things, but that's what we're talking about. Marriage God has set in stone, literally in stone, in a way, the Ten Commandments. And so we are to follow what God has said. So when you commit adultery, it's a sin against yourself, the church, the home. Fourthly, it's a sin against the nation. By the way, did you know that adultery is still illegal in 21 states in America? 21 states. Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Our nation's a reproach to the world. I'll just tell you right now. Our nation's is a reproach. Not picking on any particular, just the, the laws we have in our land that are so against God's word. We are a reproach. The way we treat human life, the way we treat marriage, it's a reproach to God. Some time ago, it was claimed that 90% or more of the physically intimate acts depicted on television is between people who are not married. I can hardly think of my lifetime people who were married. Oh, we should be watching things that are, like, you know, I'm just telling them, that's, that's, be careful. But people don't want to see that necessarily. Not over 90% of people not married to each other. And that's what the exciting things. I remember there was a cop show years ago. Uh, where the couple was actually married, but they couldn't tell they were married because they both were policemen on the same force. And so they came it quiet, and that's how they sparked the interest. That was many years ago, 30 or 40 years ago, I think. We find that one stat said that 36% of men and 26% of women have had affairs. It's higher, far higher than that, according to more recent statistics that I have found. The English poet, Edward Gibbon, who wrote The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, said that immorality was the number one force that brought the mighty Roman Empire crashing down. And I'm telling you, this immoral revolution is what's going to bring America down unless we change. I mean, for other, other reasons. But this immorality, this pushing to, to have... They, I want you to know the agenda of the LGBTQ people have been so successful. It's unbelievable, the success and the... The, the fallout and the acquiescence, even among Christian organizations, to this, this cultural mandate. We, we don't have to do it. Well, what about this? Well, we'll trust God. What about they cut you off here? What about when they go to a cashless society and they find out that your social score isn't high enough to go to the grocery store? Well, we'll trust God for our daily bread then. We'll start raising your own or something. But we are not to capitulate to the world's ideology if it's against, obviously, the scripture, we're to stand firm. The law, matter, if you go back to the Old Testament time, and I was reading through Leviticus as part of my Bible reading, and this, just yesterday or today, I read Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10. I got past the leprosy chapter there. If you know what I'm talking about, leprosy there. And uh, 20, verse 10, Leviticus. And the man that committeth adultery 
with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife. The adulterer and the adulteress shall be given uh, current uh, uh, medical treatment and same, and same benefits because they're partnering together now. And so they have a, a viable relationship and they shall have the benefits of one with the other and shall be a... Hmm, it says there, put to death. God's serious about it. Why doesn't God do it now? Because God is gracious. Oh, but pastor, I know that you're just talking about the law and the ceremony. Listen, this is, this is, I know the death part is not for today, but this thing, the God, hate, God still hates it. He still hates it. He does. They shall be put to death. Why such a radical, why such a radical thing to get the sin out of the people? Read the end of Ezra. When the people had to give up their foreign wives because they had married into other, and they gave, you should, it's, that's what God has called you to be separate, Christian, from the world. God has said that going, for the nation to survive, the evil must be eradicated. Now, do you see, you see the importance when a, a, a country abides with evil and gets soft on murderers and rapists? And child abusers, when they get soft on that, we just sort of, well, they're just not. And the soft on the children and killing children in the womb, we've gotten very. Matter of fact, not only have we gotten soft on it, we've actually promoted that across the world. Do you know how much America has done to the terrible thing of abortion across the world? We have promoted it. We have outsourced it. It's amazing. We are, our, our laws are more liberal regarding abortion than even liberal Europe. If you, you should reach it for, for yourself. It's no wonder why we are struggling as we are as a nation. So adultery, a sin against yourself, the home, the church, the nation, and also a sin against God. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It was God who said these words. When David committed adultery with Bathsheba, he was wise enough to pray in Psalm 51.4, Against thee, the only have I sinned, and none is evil in thy sight. The proverb says, So saliently, whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. You are going to destroy your soul, man. But that girl, that woman is so attractive. And and she treats me like my wife never has treated me for years. And, oh, she just listens to me. And my wife, all she does is harp on me. And... uh, Listen, the Bible never says that you are to only stay with your wife if things are great. And by the way, I'm just I'm going to put it, lay it on us, men. It is us. You need to lead your homes. You've got to. You're responsible. Well, I don't love her. God doesn't say whether you can only stay together only if you, if you feel like you love her. You are to stay. Love is more an action to be learned than a feeling to be felt. You are to treat, and I have... I found that when I treat my wife as she should be treated, she responds in kind. You want to change your spouse, stop harping on her and or him, change yourself first, then they have to respond to somebody new. That is it. The secret to changing your spouse is not a harping and, oh, would you do the, honey, do you do this? Honey, do this. Honey, do that. And, and that's not it. It is let God change you. You want to get married someday. It's not so much about praying for someone, which you should be. It's you making yourself marriageable. You take care of yourself. You be the person God wants you to be. And let God decide when it's time for you to be married, if he chooses for you to be married. 
We get this, so we get the cart before the horse. We, even, we don't even see the horse. <laughs> we have the cart, but where's the, listen, this is how you start with God. Start with yourself. He that does this is going to destroy his own soul. No, to get the idea, by the way, that a pure life is an option you may choose as a Christian. No. Someone said, if you're not living a physically pure life as a Christian, you have no right to call yourself a Christian. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice such things, you're proving by your doing these things that you're not really a child of God. For this, Ephesians 5, 5, for this you know that no whoremonger, nor an unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God, Christ, and of God. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable, Revelation 21, 8, and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters, those are the ones that are not going to be in heaven. Those are the ones who their lifestyle showed. It's not like perhaps a one-time affair or whatever, and, and, and you ask for forgiveness. If you're truly born again, you do not lose your salvation, but you sure do lose your fellowship, and you sure can have cause harm, undue harm. We had right over here in uh, Ashland Prison, the pastor of, the, at one time, the largest Sunday school in America. He pastored that church, got involved with a teenage girl. And he was just right over here. I can't imagine the fallout from his being involved with this girl and all. And it's, I mean, it's well known. I'm not, I didn't even mention his name. I think he's out of prison now, I think. But the fallout from his not guarding his heart, not guarding his life. No matter how you glamorize it or become sophisticated with it, God says immorality is a sin against him. Call it friends with benefits, call it partners, call it an affair, call it cohabitating, call it living together, call it your significant other. However you want to call it, it's still called S-I-N, sin. Someone may say, well, I'm a member of a church and I'm living the way and nothing has ever happened to me. I'm living that way. Just God does not... Close all his accounts in October or November or even in this life. If you're a child of God, I'm telling you, he's going to chastise you. You get out of line with God, he's going to bring some judgment upon you to get you back in line. God's warning about adultery because it's a sin against yourself, your home, church, nation, and against God himself. So here we go, finally, the modeling involves six elements, modeling God's commandment. First of all, decision. We must make a decision for Christ. That's the first thing we must do to live for him. Secondly, is dependence. Let our children see we're depending upon God for our daily strength, the strength to remain pure. Christ doesn't merely forgive us and then say, now try to do better. He comes in, and if we'll let him, he will live his life through us. We can be the husbands and wives we should be. I, can just, I will just tell you that as I've been married for 38 plus years now, you're not a neutral in your home. You're not a neutral. There is no neutral, I don't think, very well. It might last for a few moments. Either you are getting closer to God and your marriage is improving or you're going backwards. It's not like, well, we're just going to... I thought there could be, when I first got married, we'd just be an easy piece of cake and we just, and just always going forward and we'll be like going downhill all the time and there'll be no problems. And it can't, can't be more difficult than just dating and, and, and the, the engagement process. Well, it was. It's like a lot different than that. It takes W-O-R-K. I think if I were to sum it up, it's giving of yourself. That is so essential to a home. It's you give of yourself 
and the other one gives of themselves. And that's how it works. But when we get selfish, and it's got to be my way or the highway every single time, that gets old. That gets old. Dependence, decision. Thirdly is devotion. Pour out your love to Christ and, for, and to your family. He gives us a supernaturally love. A godly love is not simply an emotion to turn off and on. Adrian Rogers says, when a man comes to me and says, I'm going to leave my wife because I don't love her anymore, he says, he gets no sympathy for me. Why? Because God's love is a decision, not an emotional impulse over which I have no control whatsoever. An action to be learned more than a feeling to be felt. In Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives. An imperative. That's what we are to do. But pastor, it says in chapter 5, verse 22, why submit to your husbands? Yes. One time. Husbands, four or five times, love your wives. I said it before. I'm sure I'll say it again. Christian wives have very little struggle with submitting to a Christian husband who is loving them as Christ loved the church and giving himself on their behalf. They want, the Christian woman who's walking with God likes to surrender, submit to a husband who's doing that. But when we husbands were out of tune with God, it just raises, like when, the, like when like our three cats get together and sometimes, they're getting a lot better now, but they, the fur gets up on it, goes up on it. Well, one cat's got fur all the time anyway. But the tails get big and bushy and that's, that's how our spouses feel, man, when we are not treating them correctly. There was a Peanuts cartoon uh, said this, Charlie Brown says to his friend, he said, my grandma and grandpa have been married for 50 years. The friend says, they're lucky, aren't they? And he goes, no, no. Grandma says, it ain't luck, it's skill. It's skill. And that's what it is. It is asking God to help me to respond right. So it's decision, dependence, devotion, development, fourthly. Let your love continue to grow. It's like a diamond where you just acquire the treasure, but it's more than that. It's like a flower where it cultivated that's how we're to see that. It's like, well, I've got this on, put this on my, it's not like a, but it's my trophy, I got this. No, it's like, we are to work toward, it, is, it takes effort, man. It takes work. Easiest thing to do, husbands, is to sit and do nothing for your wife. And sit and be all about you, expect her to wait on your hand and foot, etc., and not help your wife. Have I always done it correctly? No. And you ask my wife, she'll say, no. Ask my children, No. You know, ask Mr. Womack. No, he didn't even know me that well. He'll tell you no. A man doesn't love his wife more now than he did the day he got married. He doesn't. He loves her less. My love for my wife has grown. It really has. Trust yours as for your spouse. Uh, one man said, "Men don't ever start flirting with another woman." And never stop flirting with your wife. Those little things mean so much. Keep the honey and the honeymoon. Now, five rules to avoid this. We're still under this part D of development. Five rules to avoid the scarlet letter. Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote a book called The Scarlet Letter. A lady in the village got involved with the pastor, but she didn't want to know, and she would never tell on the pastor. And so she had to start sewing into all her clothes a red scarlet letter of A, adulteress. She had to wear that the rest of her life. That's what the scarlet letter is about. So how do we avoid that? First of all, all your friends should know your spouse, ladies and gentlemen. Your spouse should know all your friends. Secondly, never discuss your marital frustrations with a member of the opposite sex, unless it's a professional and counseling. And I would add third, I would add on to that, never discuss it in public with even your spouse. We don't want to hear your dirty laundry and, no should, and you should be airing that in front of other people. Limit your time alone with the members of the opposite sex. Be very careful. Uh, a little, little 
titty, uh, little ditty says this, uh, develop parameters you will not go beyond. That's what we should have. There's some, some parameters. I, it's a struggle at my work because sometimes we need to go to the same meeting together. And I, if I'm, I won't go with one lady alone. So, But that's part of what our parameters we have. Fourthly, confess your temptations before they come transgressions. Three questions we need to ask. Who was the only person who never sinned? That was Jesus. Was Jesus ever tempted? Yes. So is temptation to sin wrong? No. But it is wrong when we yield to temptation. We're going to be tempted, but we're not to yield. A scenario might be like this. You're experiencing some frustration in your marriage. It's going to be a lot. It's going on for a long time. But there's this woman that worked to treat you like you wish your wife treated you. She makes you feel like a real man. Or there's a man at work in the office who's been nice to you and treats you with respect and tenderness. He makes you feel like the woman you never feel when your husband is around. You don't mean to think, but it just sort of started in your mind. What if I was married to him? What if I was married to her? And that's where it starts. Uh, Adultery begins in the mind, not in any other part of the body. Here's where adultery begins. I just didn't imagine what it would be like with that. What would be like with that? You know, the grass is greener on the other side, but it still needs mowed. And the grass probably is over the septic tank on the other side. So be very, very careful. Confess your temptations before they come transgressions. Keep a short account. Fifth, root out every selfish inclination of your heart at its core. Adultery is not about love. It is about selfishness. The bottom line is selfishness. I want what I want, and I'm going to get it. I don't care what the fallout is. The adulterer is determined that his or her desires and needs are more important than the marriage relationship. When the seventh commandment really was, we don't do the seventh commandment without violating the first, that thou shalt have no other gods before me. Before the first fantasy is ever played out in your mind, before the first electric touch, before the first kiss of an adulterous affair, the first commandment has already been broken Another God has won your allegiance. It's called you instead of God. If you'll do after you get married what you did before you got married, in order to get married, you'll stay married. Put God first. And sixth is discipline. Or fifth is discipline. Guard your company. Watch your friends. Be careful what you do in front of your, put in front of your eyes. You wouldn't put garbage into your mouth. Why are we putting it into our brains you, we are living in such a sexualized culture, and I try to stay away from the word S-E-X as much as possible, but sometimes, it, but we're, or a culture that's so inundated with this immoral revolution that's been growing, growing, and only catching on more and more fire. You say, well, pastor, I'm just, I'm sort of walking, and I'm, I'm trying to be careful. Listen, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? No, he can't. You're going, it's going to be, problematic he who would not fall down ought not to walk in slippery places you must discipline your mind stories told of two buddhist monks and they're walking and during a drenching rainstorm and they come to a stream and it's swollen out of its banks and there's a young beautiful japanese woman with a kimono there and she's she's standing there waiting to somehow get across the stream and a characteristic buddhist compassion one monk says can i help you she says i need to cross the stream the monk picked her up, put her on his shoulder, and carried him all the way across and set him down on the other side. And then they continued on to the monastery. Well, that night, his companion said to him, I have a bone to pick with you. As Buddhist monks, we have taken vows not to look on a woman, much less touch her body. Back there by the river, you did both. The first monk said, My brother, I put the woman down on the other side of the river. You're still carrying her in your mind. 
you're still carrying her in your mind. And the final determination is, is modeling is determination. Make up your mind that you are going to be true to your mate. Fix your eyes on Jesus and decide to follow him. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's no avenue. I remember, I remember Adrian Rogers in person. He was, he was talking about this topic. We were at a, he had 12 sessions uh, at a pastor school many years ago. And he would say, listen, it's not, I have no inclination for any other woman, but still we have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our hearts. God's plan, God's command is for purity inside and out. We are Remember the ermine who will not go on back into his hole and rather be caught and lose his freedom than to go back into his hole has been covered with tar because his coat is so, his purity of coat is so important to him. If you have failed God, God will forgive. He is in the putting back together of broken homes. You remember the woman taken in adultery in John chapter 8, the first 11 verses? He forgave her, and then he said, what, go and sin no more. We need to be like the Savior. We, we need to be forgiving of those who have gotten involved and be helpful. Remember, God likes marriage. As a matter of fact, the first marriage he performed was the wedding of Canaan, right? John chapter 2. When you commit yourself to obey God, he will give you a magnificent marriage. Decide and determine to keep yourself pure before him and watch how he will bless you. We are to turn the commandments into commitments. Not only are we not to commit adultery, we are to have homes that honor and glorify God. Again, I have not always done as I should. We are to be the spiritual leader for our home. My wife is different times in our marriage has been the spiritual leader for a time anyway. I've, in some regards, regarding some topics, she has a lot more spiritual insight, a lot more patience. We are meant to be humble, admit, humbly admit when we're wrong. To not admit that you're wrong is you're going to be like uh, Xi Jinping, who outlawed Winnie the Pooh because he did not like the comparison between Winnie, him and Winnie the Pooh. And so we have to be humble in our actions i close with a letter that was written to ann landers dear ann please print this letter for all the women who have are having affairs with married men most of them believe they aren't doing any harm they say they are filling a need for some love starved neglected husband and no one is being hurt i would like to set the record straight and i hope you will help me by printing this she says dear other woman your current sleeping companion has probably given you the impression that he is the greatest father in the world. Let me tell you the truth. He missed most of the Little League games this year because he was with you. He missed his daughter's recital last Tuesday and the parents' day at school on Thursday because he was with you. He was with you when his son broke his arm and I had to take the boy to the hospital myself. I can't tell you the, member, the number of family get-togethers I have attended without him because he had to work late. He is never around to help with the children's homework because he has to be with an important client. That's you. In case you think he's loaded, the money he spends entertaining you comes out of our children's college fund. Women like you are home wreckers. How wonderful it would be if you and your kind told these married men who make passes, you should be ashamed of yourself. Go home where you belong and pay attention to your wife and family. You made a commitment. Now you should live up to it, sir. Think how that would change the world. Or if men did the same to wives who come on to them. I'm going to tell you, if you think you have passed this and that that is never going to be an issue for you, men, you need to wake up 
You have got to guard your hearts. Ladies, we need to guard our hearts. We need to set the example. Christ wants and expects and deserves a pure church. You need to be a couple who stays pure for each other, for better, for worse, always for keeps. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that in my marriage, in my home, that I would be a better husband, that I would be cognizant of my wife's needs, that it would not always have to be about me or what I want. I pray, Lord, we, for all of us, I'll just pray for all of us as husbands, future husbands, that we will be the leaders of our home we should be. May we walk with you. May we be the spiritual, again, those who lead the home, spiritually speaking. May we set the example for others that we work with. May others say, well, he is a man who loves his wife and children, loves the Lord first, and then his wife and children, and he's setting the example of what a Christian man should be. That should be our goal. Lord, I believe, Lord, if we do those things, you first, wife second, children next, and we do that faithfully, then we have been successful, I believe, in that regard as a man. Lord, help us to do this. May we determine to walk with you Lord, help our homes to be and marriages to be those things that honor you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.